0: Reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look, delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado.
1: As I'm sure you're aware now,
2: we have
0: traded for Mark Stone. Uh, a big trade for our organization.
2: Now, uh, once I got the news, uh, two two thirty last night that uh, I've been traded here, I've been doing a lot of running around, uh, saying a ton of goodbyes, but. Uh, excited. Long day yesterday, and excited
1: to be here. I think it's fun, Uh, usually because we were all kind of new last year. What's up, everybody? Golden Edge podcast time.
0: Adam Hill, Ben Goats here with you. It is a crazy, crazy time of year for the Golden Knights, no question about that. So much to get into today. But first of all, right off the bat, as usual, thank you guys for tuning in. Leave a comment, subscribe, do whatever it is you do with podcasts, because we are really appreciating all the feedback and everybody checking out what we are doing here, and let's keep it going. So uh, spread the news and let us know what you think, good, bad, indifferent, whatever, uh, wherever you subscribe to your podcast. So thank you for tuning in with us. Adam Hill, Ben Goats, letting you know everything that's going on in Golden Knights land. Ben, how are you doing today? You know,
2: not too bad. We've had a, a busy couple days, though, covering this team.
0: Uh, It's been pretty crazy. We have a lot to get into as far as uh, Mark Stone being traded to the Golden Knights, the top player available on the market, according to most followers of the NHL. And And general manager George McPhee. Certainly, George McPhee said that, but of course, I mean, I think you're going to say that after you trade for a guy that he's he's the best guy available. A lot of news, a lot of elements, Oscar Lindbergh on his way out, as well as Eric Randstrom. I know a lot of people are upset about that. We'll get into all the movement and everything else going on in Golden Knights land. But Ben, we do have a special guest today, so it's very exciting that we're going to have this.
2: Yeah, we got Pierre Edward Belmar with us today, and uh, we asked him a little bit about what he thought about the Mark Stone trade.
1: I think it's fun, Uh, usually because we were all kind of new last year, uh, and you know that moment when you come in the locker room—you you kind of have that little stress a little bit, you know, to meet everybody and to kind of introduce yourself the right way, and uh, and. I mean, it's just a brand-new guy, right? It's a brand-new uh, source of talk and, like, learn a little bit about the family and whatever uh, going on in their life. So um, all along, I think it's pretty cool. The,
0: the process is interesting. I mean, you know, you think about it. Obviously, it's a business. You're going to get new guys yeah. in all the time and out. and, and you, But you get to know guys, so to lose a guy. It
1: is tough. It is tough. Like, you obviously uh, get tight. You know, you have different connections with different guys and uh, – you never want to see a piece of your team living. somehow i mean you i mean we had Hans in the beginning of the season uh, or, or a few months ago where you know like it's kind of like out of the blue and now you know that's coming to a few hours before the deadline that something's going to happen often that's the way it is and uh and it's never fun. but we all know that it's a part of a job uh it's the worst part of our job but that's the way it is kind of when that something like that happens is there something
2: you can do to help Mark assimilate? Because uh, even stuff like warm-ups are maybe different in
1: Ottawa. Yeah, kind of little things <laughs> you don't think about. Well, you can tell, for example, yesterday like he kind of went last in most of the drills just because maybe he, you know, normally, yeah. you have your, put somehow, I don't think it's superstition. It's just saying it's more like you set up yourself into a position and then suddenly you just want to stay number, go number two or go number three or whatever, Or and guys are comfortable with their routine, right? And he comes here and suddenly probably his routine has to change fully. So, I mean, the only thing you try is, like, be as positive with him, you know, make him feel like he's a part of the team right away. That's all you can do, really. Like, played a good game. Uh, He was good on the ice. He was good in the locker room, like, so... Make sure the guy knows uh, he's more than welcome.
0: You've got you've got those things. You've got to integrate him <coughs> on the ice, integrate him into the lineup, all these things that you talk about. But also like life. Like d- does he come to people like, hey, what's a good place to eat? Uh, what's a good place to shop? That sort of stuff.
1: Right now, I think uh, I think he's uh, I think him and Cody uh, actually are pretty good buddies already from the start. So I think if there is any question, it probably goes to Cody. But right now, it's more like you know the chip talk where you go and ask him about his family or, or a girlfriend in his situation and dogs and stuff like that. Just to – that's how you try to bring somebody in the team. It's not really like it's – not, it's not as important that hockey-wise and it is more mentally and get the guy uh, a, good, a good situation to know that, you know, okay, this is it, like you with us and make him understand that uh, and we're so happy to have him.
2: So obviously it was a crazy day Monday when you guys get <clears throat> him and you guys practiced an hour before the deadline – did you step on the ice thinking about no. that at all? Yeah.
1: No, I mean, obviously, like, every guy in the league is going to have a different answer to that. You know, some guys, I play with some guys that would, didn't, didn't, did not shut up about it. You know, like, <laughs> two months before the deadline, they were already talking, like, oh, you know, the trades are coming, like, what the heck? Like, I think in a different way. I, obviously, I came here, I was 29 years old in the NHL, right? So... I mean, I had just signed a new deal with my team in Sweden. I was supposed to be extended, bought a house, and then, boom, I come to the NHL. And then I went to Philly, bought a house there, and boom, get drafted to, to Las Vegas, right? So it's just a part of life. It's a cool thing to eventually be able to tell your kids you've traveled, for me at least. You know, mm-hmm. for a lot of people here, it's, they're born in the States or in Canada, and hockey, it's all of it, right? For me, it's so little, hockey in France. And it's such a big deal for me, for my country to be here. So be able to teach my kid about how to deal with all the travel and this kind, this part of the business that is just life. Like eventually just enjoy it because whatever the situation is, it's only a one, one-time thing kind of. Yeah, we actually kind of want to get into that. He, you had, he's a pro. He
0: like transitioned for us right into what we That was, was awesome.
1: Because, <laughs> yeah, you had an incredible
2: journey to the NHL. And as you said, with France, I mean, obviously they just won the World Cup. Like I think of soccer with them. Oh, so. yeah. How did you get into hockey? Uh,
1: my big sister was the one that actually, uh, at the time, the family was still kind of balanced, and uh, she was a little spoiled. She doesn't like when I say that, but that was the truth. <laughs> uh, I was the, the young, one of the youngest ones, obviously. Uh, that's why the biggest one is always spoiled, right? Uh, and she's the first girl too. But so she decided that she wanted to start hockey, and my big brother and I were like, "Well, if she go play hockey. We want to go on the ice." And somehow we went that day on like a free skating sessions, And my, uh, and we came on the ice first time and my brother and I just chased each other, never touched the board. And there was a, sla- a hockey coach slash figuring uh, skating coach that was there. And he told my mom like if she could brought us back a week later. And when we came back, uh, we were just by herself. Like the ring was almost dark on the ice with that dude. And he was making us making the weirdest drill that was on my ass the entire time but I had a blast and then after it uh, he told my mom like hockey or figure skate, whatever one of those sports like they have to do that and that's how we started. So you could have been a figure skater? I could have been yeah. How old bit. were
2: you when this happened?
1: <laughs> Six and a half.
2: Wow so pretty young. Yeah. So I guess kind of how was it working up your way up the French hockey system because I'm assuming Not it's very yeah different. Not
1: easy like we don't have this you know a lot of the kids here don't realize how lucky they are, or even in Sweden, like you go to school and school is made for your hockey. Like for me, it was the opposite. Every year I had, a, I had a meeting with my teachers and my mom and them trying to prove and tell my mom and prove her that I should not play hockey. There is no point of playing hockey. Like until I turned, I think 18, and that I told my teacher that I was one of the players in the pro team that they were supporting every week. I was one of the kids there, but they could have recognized me because of my, my cage, right? <laughs> so until that time, all the teachers I've had my entire life have been telling me like hockey is not it's not something you make a living out. So but <clears throat> you don't realize it toughs until you go somewhere else and you see how other people have it more easy, right? For me it was kind of a it's the normality. It's just it's just the way it is. So do you is the NHL even like a thing
0: at that age, when you're growing up and you're trying to think no. nobody even <clears throat> talks about it, it's not followed.
1: You know what, like for me, no, because I've never been really interested in NHL. Yeah. Uh, and even like later on when I became pro, I wasn't interested. But like for us, French uh, players, like it's not the NHL because you don't see NHL on TV, especially like when we're talking about like, you know, I'm born 85. So we're talking about like 90s, like there is no, no hockey on TV. The only hockey is every four years for the Olympics, right? That's the only hockey I get to see. For me, the dream was always to go to the Olympics, never to reach the NHL. And that's probably maybe why I had up here one day because I was, the entire time was just working to be better for my team, and that's it.
0: So was there a time as you're kind of progressing in, in the pro <coughs> leagues over there that you're like, maybe I should go try the NHL, or, or was well, that just something you it's, worked
1: for? Well, it was kind of a kind of a up and down, you know, uh, feeling because I, when I was 26, I had a, a heck of a year, uh, and then I hurt myself during the playoffs, and I was off the ice for six months, and. Um, and at that time, I was, like, in negotiation with Chicago, the Blackhawks, and that's the first time I was like, oh, my God, I might be able to be in the NHL, right? And then, like, because of the injury and whatever the contract, I was like, no, this is not going to work for me. And then after that, it kind of went hmm. down really, really quick. And then after that, I thought it was over. Um, yeah, so at that time, around 26, that's when I thought NHL, but then otherwise, when, even when it came at 29, because of what happened when I was 26, I was like... Heck, I don't want to think about that. This is not going to happen until I have a paper giving me a salary and that I have to put my signing. Uh, I'm not going to trust it.
2: I mean, what was that moment like for you, though, when you did put that pen to paper and kind of realized, like, in a way, like, you're representing your country and you're going to the NHL? It was
1: was fun. I mean, uh, my wife is here. We were, like, having a barbecue (laughs) with her parents in that new house that we, like, freshly bought. We had the key maybe a week prior to that. They were like, oh my God, we're leaving in three months. <laughs> but uh, no, it was, it was fun. Like, it's a proud moment. I mean, uh, there's not a lot of French players that I've ever made the NHL. At that time, I didn't know I was going to make the NHL, but just the fact that I've done enough job for those 20 years of hockey so that somebody you know, recognized me by telling, good job, here is a ticket, and then see what you can do when you're here, that was kind of a big reward. I want to
2: go back a little bit because you were (coughs) talking about your teachers kind of trying to convince you to stay out of hockey. When did you commit full time to playing? Because if I recall correctly, you went to medical school for a little bit?
1: Yeah. Uh, I committed when I was 21, when I uh, left France pretty much. That's when that was the commitment. That was a big kind of. It was a time where my mom, we kind of. My mom has always told me, like, when you, until you're 18 in France, you have a big uh, exam called the BAC, baccalauréat, And this is the big thing. You need that to work pretty much anywhere. And my mom always told me, you go all the way to year 18 and you have this diploma. And then after that, you do what the heck you want with hockey or school. And so when I went to 21, you know, it was her, her talk in my ear was always, you know, if you break your leg tomorrow, what do you have? So it was always school is more important. And 21, I got the contract to be able to come to this to, to Sweden and uh that was where like, okay, what do I do? Kind of kind of helped me here. And she was like, you've had everything you want, so now just go for it. And I left.
0: Do do you ever regret not going into figure skating?
1: <laughs> uh maybe I put a bit of sick, you know? Maybe even better. <laughs> Never know. <laughs> well uh obviously you know
0: you, you you come to the Golden Knights last year, people fall in love with the team so, the last thing for you is just like, what what was that experience like in, in your life, in your career, Unreal. to go through that?
1: Unreal. Like, that's better than we ever thought. Uh, just because, you know, like, whatever, every player has a different story when they leave their franchise, right? Like, for me, it was a little bit bittersweet. I had a good role, but I was excited about coming here. Like, you know, stample myself into the culture of this team. I was not expecting like 2.4 million to fall in love with a sports that they had no idea what it was before. Most of them didn't even know the rule until half of the way of the season. <laughs> yeah. But they were all in love. It was 23 faces that they could identify themselves in. Obviously, with October 1st, <coughs> we kind of uh, help each other uh, way faster than we, we could have otherwise, but unbelievable uh, in every way. I mean, Vegas, uh, the people of Vegas are... are so positive already like you realize that before even beside a hockey rink and everything but <clears throat> i think hockey kind of help everybody have a, a reason to talk to each other more in the communities that like you take your car and out of your garage you go to your whatever grocery shop and come back to your garage and like you know you don't really see your neighbor now you go to the shop and you have somebody with the the same shirt that you have and that kind of a reason to talk right then and, and we feel that we felt that love from everybody so it's been just unreal
0: I said that was the last thing, which is <laughs> again real quick. Uh, coach said the other day, you got to find the Golden Misfits again. Do, do you think yeah. that is a thing? Do you, do you need well, yeah. to find that attitude? Well, yeah,
1: it's just we were ruthless in a way that we were so starving to prove everybody wrong, right? Kind of that was the thing. Like we were like, everybody talked trash about us constantly, and we didn't care about it. We had our swag, and we were like, we're going to prove people wrong. That's it. And he brought us all the way until four games the, to the end, right? And I think, like, I think this year with the expectations a little bit, you know, when you start setting expectation really high, that means that you think of yourself a little high. And that's, I think, something that the edge is so thin there. And I think that's where we step to the wrong direction a bit compared to last year where we had no expectation. It was just, like, fight for each other. This year, I think the expectation, like, we put were not too high, but we kind of start thinking of ourselves like putting yourself a little bit ahead of the game, I think.
0: So great stuff from Pierre. We really appreciate him coming by. And a lot of interesting things to say, not only about what's going on with the team, what's going on in his life, but certainly the new addition, Mark Stone, and the Golden Knights make the trade. Let's get into the details of the trade first of all. I know most people have seen it already, but the Golden Knights give up a top, top blue chip prospect in Eric Branstrom, one that had really caught the attention of Golden Knights fans. No question about that. And he was a good piece, but you've got to give up you know, good pieces to get great players like Mark Stone. He's gone. Lindbergh's gone. A second-round pick. Uh, I, I thought, first of all, when I heard the details of the trade, a pretty good deal for the Golden Knights.
2: No, I don't think that's a bad one for them. They don't give up a first-round pick unless you count Eric Brandstrom, who was the 15th overall pick in 2017 as a first-round pick. But they give up one prospect, a decent pick, a second-rounder a guy in Oscar Lindbergh who wasn't really going to have a role on this team probably anyway with Mark Stone coming in. And then you also, of course, keep Stone because uh, reportedly, according to our colleague Dave Shane, he is expected to sign a eight-year extension. Uh, sometime soon, he can't officially sign it until March 1st, and that will be worth $9.5 million in average annual value. So a huge chunk of change coming to Mark Stone, but the Knights are not just acquiring him for this playoff run. They are acquiring him for what they hope will be several playoff runs in the near future.
0: And if he was a rental, this deal wouldn't have happened. That's what George McPhee said. So they they lock him up long term. And you know the the issue with Branstrom, and I know fans are upset. I know the people I saw on Twitter were not happy. But Branstrom is a guy you hope to develop into a star player. He has that potential. He has that ceiling. You never know with prospects. You hope he gets there. Mark Stone's kind of there. And obviously different positions. They do different things. But he's at that level of stardom where you kind of hope a prospect develops too.
2: Yeah, he's one of the best all-around players in the NHL. That's what George McPhee told us. McPhee also said he's one of the best five-on-five players in the NHL. And when you look at that guy's skill set, it's pretty much accurate. We got a scouting report from Max Pacioretty the other day. He said he's a great player who can both shoot and pass, which is rare offensively. And then he's got one of the best sticks in the league defensively. He leads the NHL in takeaways with 88 both patch mentioned that i talked to braden McNabb about that today defenseman for the golden knights he said not only is he great generating takeaways he's great deflecting shots from the point so creating tips in front of the net so there's a lot of things this guy can do five on five and then you get into he's going to play in all situations for the knights on the power play on the penalty kill He's going to contribute in a lot of ways on this team right now and moving forward.
0: And no question about it. And we are getting ready to head over there right now. This is a Tuesday evening, so he's about to make his debut. He is expected to play on the second line with Pacioretty and Stastny. I think, you know, when you first look at that, you say, wow, that's a really dynamic line. That's a really good line. You're keeping your first line together. You've got a second line that should have a lot of potential to play, you know, to score goals, first of all. And that's certainly their job, but also to, to be a solid defensive line as well. But I think the biggest thing this does is now you look at the third line, you have the potential to have a very, very dynamic line. As the third line, you're already pretty happy with how the fourth line is, especially when Carey is healthy. This makes the team better by making it deeper.
2: Yeah, your top nine is much, much better than it was just even a few days ago. Uh, the third line, as we speak right now, as it is expected to be against the Dallas Stars tonight, is Alex Tuck, Cody Eakin, and Ryan Carpenter. I forgot that for yeah, a second. Yeah. It Ryan Carpenter which is much better than what they've been typically rolling out with. You've seen guys like Eakin surrounded by Carpenter and Oscar Lindbergh, who are not bad players, but they're not guys that you're counting on to generate huge amounts of points offensively. Now you got a guy like Alex Tuck, who was your leading scorer before this trade happened, on your, that third line. So he's a guy you're counting on to contribute from that third line and get depth scoring during the playoffs, which is going to be so, so critical for this team when it becomes time for them to really try to make a push in the spring.
0: Yeah, I mean, the issue really is that other teams got better as well. It seems like the Sharks got better, uh, you know, in the division. The Predators in the conference, they certainly seem to get better at the deadline. So a lot of teams think they got better. And I don't think you can look at Stone as a savior. Like, he doesn't fix everything and turn it around. But I do think you get, and we'll see, I could look foolish as we said, this is before the game on Tuesday, and who knows what happens. But I think you do get a jolt of energy, not only from his ability, from his talent, but also it's the message of the team of, hey, nobody's given up on this team. Everybody thinks you can still compete. We're going to go out and make an investment in the team and show that we want to make a run at this. I think it sends the right message to the other players that, hey, this is still a team that has the
2: potential to make a run. Yeah, this is a team that's been in a slump, obviously, recently. They are 1-5-1 and in their last seven games as we talk about entering this Stars game. And a lot of players have mentioned this could be a jolt. This is a new form of energy that's coming into the locker room that could really help us out. And you can tell just by talking to Mark Stone, which we did this morning, that he's a guy that's got a lot of energy right now. And I get it. He was scratched for three games by the Senators before this trade because they didn't want him getting hurt while they were working stuff like this out. But he was very excited to come here, and we got to hear from him earlier today. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I don't want to see my face on the TV for for a while uh, unless it's scoring goals. So, um, you know, it's been a long month and a half, uh, trying to make a decision, trying to get something settled, uh, um, whether I
1: was on the move or if I was staying in Ottawa. And, uh, you know, now I'm just excited to play hockey again.
0: All right, so that is newest edition. Mark Stone, the newest Vegas Golden Knight. A lot of talk around the deadline about who they were going to acquire, whether they'd make a move, what kind of move they made. And, of course, they go right to the top of the list of players available. That's kind of what the methodology has been of this team. They haven't deviated too much from the plan, though. I mean, the plan was to win down the road, to win in year five and six. That's when you wanted to compete. Obviously, that timeline got accelerated because of everything that was going on last year, how good they were. They gave up some players to to make moves, to make a splash. And, and now this year they did it again, but they still have that flexibility. They still have those options out there for improving the team down the road. I, I don't think they mortgaged everything of the future to make these moves now. I mean, they're well set up. They've got a lot of money invested. They don't have a ton of space, but, but I think they... They didn't like throw the bank at everything and just completely throw the plan out of the water.
2: No, but they are going to face, yeah, as you mentioned, some interesting questions this offseason. They're looking at about $6 million in salary cap space right now heading into this offseason. Plus, they'll get an extra $5.25 million when they put David Clarkson on long term IR. So you're looking at roughly $11 million to work with right now. You got to figure William Carlson, if you want to sign into a long term deal, is going to eat up a ton of that. And then this is also going to affect the futures of guys like Pierre-Edouard Belmar and Derek England, who are restricted free agents. Then it's also going to affect guys like Tomas Nosek and Malcolm Subin who are restricted free agents. And so you're going to face a little bit of a cap crunch here just to get 23 guys on this roster at the start of next season. And so it'll be interesting to see what kind of depth they can create now that they're kind of going to be under a little bit more of a crunch for the first time. Yeah, and
0: I, I, you know, we, we asked Jordan Murphy about it, and you know, he had, he explained it that, you know, they've still got some flexibility and they still have a plan, but you know, there are times that you need to make moves and go for it. And, and that's the situation they're in right now. Yeah, we're comfortable with, we, you know, we wouldn't do anything that would hamstring us going, hamstring us, uh, going forward. Uh, we have a good group of forwards. Um, we have a solid defense with, um, a good young defenseman coming along. Um, so we're in a good place we've worked real hard the last year and a half to get uh, people in their contract getting them on the right deals and it allows us to do something like this and again we'll be able to do other things going forward as necessary so there's a lot going on in golden knight's land we hear about we hear from mcphee about the trade we heard about stone all the other all moves that have been made actually it's one move but it seems like a big shakeup uh, right now when you acquire the player uh, a player of mark stone's ilk so all this going on right now kind of pushes the recent slide to the back burner a little bit. They haven't been playing their best hockey, uh, but you know th- this is the time of the year when you, you want to start turning it on. We keep talking about the fact that they're not really being pushed, being pushed a little bit now, but I think there's, there's time to just kind of refocus, get the game right, get everything going in the right direction, because they most likely will still be in the playoffs.
2: Yeah, absolutely. The Coyotes are coming on a little bit strong there in fourth place right now, but the Knights are still in a very good position. And, yeah, Mark Stone is all about now getting your game right for the playoffs, making sure you're peaking at the right time. Figuring out the lines, too. Figuring out the lines. Because Mark Stone might not be, you know, a completely franchise-altering player. One hockey player is never going to change the complete fortunes of a franchise. But I do think that Unless you
0: get, like, some kind of a – I heard that today. You, mean, If you had, like, some sort of a, a robot or some, like, amazing thing that will play goalie for you and stop every shot, that would change. don't think any position any
2: skater is going to change the franchise that much we'll roll with that but i do think this trade uh gets them closer to you know the flames the sharks i'm more intrigued about those matchups now that they have mark stone and so if the knights are playing their best hockey when it comes time for the playoffs and they've got this guy in mark stone who is as you said automatically at least in my opinion their best skater right now it's gonna be very interesting yeah, and, and as we mentioned, it makes you deeper. It makes,
0: I, I think, you know, what we, we just went over it, but it, what it really does is make the third line so much more dynamic, so much more of an issue for other teams, that they don't just have to worry about matching up with the first line or the second line or worry about the physicality of the fourth line. It's four lines now that should be dangerous to opponents on any given night, which that's really what you need. That's what you wanted to get back to. That's kind of what you had last year.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is just going to give more motivation to this group because we've talked about it. It's hard for them to find that edge to their game when they're kind of in no man's land in the standings, where they are, at least right now, almost completely out of it to get second or first in the division. And it's still relatively far fetched that Arizona's going to catch them for third. So they really haven't been playing with an edge because they haven't had to. They haven't played desperate because they're not desperate. They're kind of locked in where they are right now. But I think the hope is inside that locker room. That kind of adding fresh blood, this fresh breath of air, is going to get them going again because now they're going to be excited to play with their new teammate.
0: Yep. So a lot, a lot to unpack from this week. You know, the move was certainly uh, the biggest story. So we got into that a lot. Didn't get into a lot of the whole, a whole lot of the minutia from day to day. But really, not much has changed from last week. They kind of are just where they are. So maybe a lot more breakdown of what exactly this trade does uh, next week when we talk to you again. But uh, right now, it's just kind of about. Let's see how they react. Let's see how the team uh, comes out of this situation. Are they are they down still Does it give them a jolt of energy? We'll find out with a couple of games. They got uh, two more home games as we speak right now uh, on this on this tr- this homestand, and then one quick game on the road in Anaheim. So a lot of hockey ahead uh, for the Golden Knights to see if they can get things straightened out as the playoff race begins. And Mark Stone should help with that. So we'll f- we'll let you know everything you need to know up at reviewjournal.com. Certainly stay with us. For the Golden Edge, watch our video. You heard pierre Edward Belmar with us earlier, but watch our video with him as well. So much going on right now at ReviewJournal.com. Some really, really fun projects ahead too that you guys really want to check out uh, up there at ReviewJournal.com and follow us along on Twitter as well. As we said, listen to the podcast, share it, subscribe, comment, all those other things. Wherever podcasts are found, we appreciate you guys listening every week. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again very soon with the Golden Edge.
1: Do you ever regret not going in a figure skating? <laughs> uh, maybe I put a bit sick. You know, maybe even better.
0: Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns—legends whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history.